0: Welcome to the Shrink Think Podcast. I'm Erin.
1: And I'm Nathan, and we're both licensed professional counselors in Oregon here to open up our lives and minds with you.
0: We'll share some of our experience as counselors, business owners,
1: and most important of all, as everyday people.
0: Hi, and welcome to Shrink Think, a podcast that explores the human experience from two therapists perspective with a little humor and a lot of compassion to help you understand yourself and learn new ways of being. We are excited to wrap up our five part series on the fear triangle that we've been talking about over the last several weeks. The fear triangle is this crazy cycle that people get on. If you are just catching up here, hopefully you've listened to all of them. If you haven't, go back and listen to all of them because it really sets this episode up where we want to talk today about how do you get off this crazy cycle that you might get in within yourself and in your relationships where you are driven by fear to protect yourself and avoid uh, taking responsibility and ultimately avoid intimacy and vulnerability in relationships. And I know that sounds like a really heavy topic and it it is kind of heavy but at the same time we want to pepper in like you know knowing yourself and having a little sense of humor about it because you know we're dealing with some injuries that we've had and we need to have a little bit of distance from it in order to see it clearly and not be consumed by it. So, all of that said, we've got some main points that we want to touch on today that we will go back over and in order to get off the fear triangle, there are a few things that we want to make sure that you know and understand. One of them is that you're gonna feel a sense of shame as you listen to this or a, a sense of like heaviness, maybe even embarrassment. Like this is me and this is what I have going on and ah, what do I do with this? So we wanna make sure that we address that with you. We want you to know that in order to get off the fear triangle, there's gonna be some sort of a sacrifice that you're gonna to have to, to make or at least it's gonna feel like a sacrifice. And we'll go into what that is for each of the roles on the triangle. And then lastly, I talked about this vulnerability and responsibility element and necessarily to get off the triangle you're going to have to change your understanding and relationship to each one of those things so those are the three main points that we're going to try to touch on today so Nathan why don't you get us started with this whole element of shame tell us what that is and what should they do about that
1: yeah so first of all I just want to normalize this for you because what has already probably happened as you've been listening is you have realized where you're at on the triangle And we've been going over this for a few weeks now. So the other thing you're realizing is that you are finding yourself on there all the time. And it probably is pretty frustrating. And I don't want you to get overloaded or overwhelmed with the idea that you're on it because it's pretty normal. What I remember, I would hearken you back to something that I said earlier, which was that I just tell people, look, just try not to be on it 90% of the time. You're going to be on it. Um, And that's unfortunate. That's the way that it is. But The cool thing about it is, is that you can apply all kinds of things with this. So the reality is, is that like, for example, you find yourself in a rescuer position, you know, you're rescuing. That's really, that's actually good before you didn't know that. So now you can be different. You can respond differently. And that's kind of what we want to talk about today.
0: I would add, it's, it's kind of this funny thing that I'll uh, tell clients that it's like the more you try not to, the more you do it. And so I'll like hold up my finger in the air, like just a you know number one, and I'll say, "Okay, don't look at my finger." And I'm looking at people's eyes. I'm looking at Nathan right now, and I'm like, "Don't look at my finger." <laughs> and he's trying his hardest not to look at my finger, but you know, inevitably, everybody like sneaks a little glance. Like, I gotta look at the finger. Like, if you just. Give yourself permission to look at the finger, give yourself permission to say, yeah, this is what it is. This is what I am. And this is what I go through. It really takes the power out of it. Then you can actually move past that issue of like, okay, I've looked at the finger now, what do I do? So I guess that first step of shame is like, just accept it. Yeah, I'm a persecutor. I'm a rescuer. This is what it looks like. Now what?
1: Right. And the reality is, is that what you're doing when you do that is you're experiencing vulnerability, which is exactly the way off of this triangle, quite frankly. And that gets us into what you sacrifice. So remember back, we've got persecutor, rescuer, victim, persecutor's um, overdue boundaries. If you remember that hermit, he's got like landmines and wire around his whole shack. A complete overkill, right? And then on the other side, you've got the rescuer that is got this ability to sacrifice everything for basically a rock, if you remember the that whole analogy. So what do you got to sacrifice? Well, the rescuer is being super compassionate from the rescuer's perspective and they're sacrificing themselves. Remember we talked about you want to get to where you're sacrificing the actual situation and not yourself. And then the persecutor is with the boundary piece, they've got to figure out how to sacrifice boundaries. And that sounds funny because it's like, well, you shouldn't you have boundaries? Well, yeah, but remember overkill. And so the victim, they've got to sacrifice this idea, this emotional experience that they're having that Basically, it's all about them. You know, they're horrible and they're they're drawing all the attention. The reality is that they're experiencing vulnerability in that scenario. And it's not that they're necessarily getting victimized by everybody around them. And so they need to shift over to understanding where their responsibility lies.
0: Wow, that's really good. I think we should unpack that a bit. So uh, just to bullet point those, we've got the persecutor has to sacrifice boundaries, or at least feels like they're going to sacrifice boundaries. The rescuer has got to sacrifice the sense of compassion for the relationship, and then the victim has to sacrifice, like being a victim, and ultimately take responsibility. So um, let's start with the first one, just like we did in our our, our shows here with the persecutor, and I was kind of you know taking on the role of persecutor here and saying, okay, I gotta sacrifice these boundaries. So when I hear you say that, I think of, wow, that seems incredibly scary to do because I have to just allow myself to get walked over. I'm going to become a doormat is what you're telling me.
1: And that's funny because that's the first thing that occurs to folks. Um, And actually, if you have struggled a little bit with some of the details of persecutor, you can kind of identify just with that response. Because if if your response is like, what? I don't want to be a doormat. Then "Eh, probably your side is the persecutor because the rescuer has a totally different response, which we'll get into in a moment. So the reality is, is that when you're sacrificing boundaries, it's not what you're doing is is you're actually replacing that sacrifice with compassion. So you're looking at it as a trade. I'm going to go a little bit higher level for just a second because I want, to keep, I want you guys to keep something in mind. It ultimately, and you mathematicians out there are going to dig this, um, which is completely anti-me, but ultimately this is a math formula. Okay, so getting off the triangle is equal parts and simultaneously boundaries plus compassion. So if you picture that math formula in your head, boundaries plus compassion equals vulnerability.
0: I think this is a math formula I can do. It seems very simple. (laughs) It's like a one plus one or a two plus two or a three, whatever. (laughs) Yeah,
1: Yeah. and and when we get a chance to unpack that little formula later, it'll be even really cool, but it might be a little bit overwhelming to think about it on the situation by situation. But the reason why I say that is because what persecutors are kind of only doing boundaries uh, when they get into their fear place. And the reality is, is like, you've got to entertain, okay, I need to be compassionate here to this person. They're not trying to betray me. They're not trying to leave me. They're still here. And how can I move in some compassion to myself and to them?
0: Yeah, I think what that looks like for me when I work through that and what I experience is when I think of the boundaries and I think of lowering those defenses, I'm essentially coming out of my little bunker my little shelter of self-protection which in that sense has been very like self-absorbed or self-consumed right because it's all about just protecting me or defending myself and you could probably ask other people in your life when you're there do you sound defensive do you sound kind of you know cut off or whatever or just sort of to the point or whatever yeah probably because if you're in your bunker that's what you're trying to communicate you're just you know, sending messages outside of your bunker to the other side. There's really not a whole lot of negotiation or compassion that's going on. So when you talk about sacrificing those boundaries, if that's all we have is boundaries, then that's not really a relationship. So lowering those boundaries and coming out of the bunker is like, that is being vulnerable. That is actually now opening yourself up to a bit of intimacy with the other person. And the fear, remember, for persecutors is... If I do that, I'm going to be abandoned or betrayed. But that's the fear statement that you're holding with you, that you're carrying with you as you let down those boundaries and open yourself up to compassion. And it's that fear statement that keeps you stuck in that bunker and does not allow you to move out of it. So if you've been frustrated as, you know, you've been listening to these episodes and you've identified with the persecutor, if you've been frustrated with your your, you know, and not being able to change it. That fear statement is probably a huge reason why. So you have to understand that letting those boundaries and moving toward compassion is challenging that fear statement. It's saying to yourself, okay, I know it feels like I'm going to be abandoned or I'm going to be betrayed, but is that really true? And one of the things that you can do actually, I think we talked about it in one, one of the previous episodes, is you can put words to that. You can say to the other person and you know, it's funny when you can identify that fear statement and then you can be in a in an argument maybe about like nothing, right? It's like about, you know, going to the grocery store or something and you realize that there's some abandonment or betrayal wound that's coming up. If you can put words to that in the middle of the argument and say, well, I don't want to blank blank because I feel like you're going to abandon me or betray me. Yeah, there's like this heavy silence that's like, what in the world are you talking about? Like, I'm just doing this. All of a sudden, you become really aware that this wound is not from the right now. It's from something in the past. And that's perfect because you now know, wow, okay, this has nothing to do with what's going on right now.
1: Right. What you just ended on there is great. Um, It doesn't have anything to do with right now. And it's not even speculation. Belief that has been in, built on top of over years and years. And this gets me back to starting in the very beginning when we were talking in this episode. Don't be ashamed. This is something that you didn't even know of until Aaron and I were bringing it up and really pestering you with it. And now you're like, oh no. <laughs> you know. And it's like, hey man, you just gotta be compassionate with yourself. You didn't deserve what happened to you a long time ago and you've bounded yourself so it doesn't happen again. And the reality is, is that you're an adult now. And you have a lot of say over what goes on in your life. And you can care for the people and it's okay for them to know that. If it is a struggle and you've got, sometimes persecutors will struggle with anger management related issues, and maybe you need to find somebody to talk to, like a, a therapist of some
0: kind. Just one quick thing, you know, as you're talking about dealing with some of that, you know, just on the heels of this whole fear component, this fear statement I'm talking about. You know, in, I do this boundaries e-course that I can put in the show notes. Um, but in this e-course, I'm talking about how really kind of essentially you've got a persecutor or rescuer, like a persecutor is somebody who's got really strict boundaries, which prohibits them from being close and intimate in their relationships. And I think persecutors want closeness. They want people to be close, but they're also terrified at the same time. And so getting off the triangle means opening yourself up to the possibility of letting people in and being close to people, which again is simultaneously very scary, but also incredibly rewarding. And so when you put that fear statement out there and say something like, you know, I'm afraid that you're going to abandon me or betray me, it gives the other person an opportunity to know what your need is and to actually take care of it, like to meet it, to protect it, and to say, hey, you know what? Thanks for sharing that with me. Like, I didn't know you were feeling that way. Make sure to do whatever it is you need me to do so that I don't hurt you. You know, whether it's like, I'll just communicate with you more or be more upfront about what's happening, whatever the case may be, that feels really good to a persecutor because all of a sudden you've moved from a powerless position, like there's nothing I can do over this fear to, wow, I can actually say something and do something and the other person responds and I feel like I'm taking control over this fear. And now I feel like I'm in control of my life rather than life is in control of me. So I guess I just want to put that out there as a, a really important component of getting off the triangle and deepening the connections and intimacy in their relationships.
1: Yeah, as you said that, um, I was reminded about the, the overall, the overarching kind of need that a persecutor struggles with is the need to belong. And the way that persecutors typically govern that is by controlling the entire free universe around them in order to create their space of belonging. But the reality is, is that... In order to actually feel belonged to, and vice versa, those are other people, and and they have a say. They have they have a way that you fit into their life that they need to be able to govern themselves, just like you want to govern yours. So, you have to be able to be, to be honest um, and be compassionate and and realistic about that.
0: Yeah. So let's. Um... Let's move on to the the rescuer side of things. Um, you said the rescuer has to sacrifice something, and that's their sense of compassion. From the rescuer point of view, talk about what that means or feels like.
1: Yeah, so the compassion. You know, rescuers avoid the boundaries because they don't want to sound like a bad person. They don't want to be like this evil go- person and go, man, I don't I want to be a jerk and tell you, like, I don't want to do that because— You know, that means that I'm a bad person or that means that like and there's there's expletives usually that I'm actually trying to avoid right now that people will say like, well, I don't want to be big, you know, that kind of thing. What the rescuer is dealing with is that acceptance issue. Right. So they're like, if I if I set the boundary, in other words, sacrifice compassion and set a boundary, then I'm not going to be accepted. I'm literally pushing this person away. They will never accept me. So um, but that's what you got to do. Harkening back to that formula. Those boundaries and compassion are equal, and then they have to co occur simultaneously.
0: Yeah, because one thing I experience with rescuing types of people is as we're talking through all the conflicts and the arguments and the issues that are going on in the relationship, the more they talk about doing this whole, you know, bending over backwards, compassionate sort of a thing, the more they keep saying over and over and over, I don't feel respected. So yeah, maybe you're doing all these super loving things, but you're putting yourself in harm's way and not, not setting up boundaries for yourself to be respected. You're not really communicating to the other person. Hey, I'm willing to love you, but I also need to be respected at the same time.
1: Yeah. And the the fear is that uh, with that is that uh, you're not going to be like, that's great. Awesome. You're totally right. But I'm going to put myself out there and find out like, nope, that's not actually true. But in, in some ways it is that simple. And the truth is, you probably will feel some um, pushback. That pushback, though, is not this catastrophized version that you have of total unacceptance. It's just the other person does have different opinions. The reality is, is that what I'll tell people is, and I'm telling you right now, is you're going to be somewhat right. You have an intuition for a reason. But the reality is, is you're not totally right. You're going to find key details that you had no idea about that are going to change your entire experience. And it might not totally change it in the moment. But when you have what I call bathroom time, and you're thinking about it, you realize like, well, they really didn't say XYZ. They really, oh man, they, they actually, they could have just left and they kept talking with me. They actually seem like they really do. They must actually love me. Um, and then you're going to notice this weird thing's going to happen. Your person is going to be different because you actually told them something about yourself that was true and a boundary for you. And you're going to notice it because you've been sacrificing that thing for a long time. And it's going to be weird, but it's going to be cool.
0: And especially if you've been talking with a persecutor, something that's pretty typical for persecutor types is that they like direct, honest communication and Often rescuing types don't want to do the direct honest because it's just too bold, you know, it's too direct and they feel like that's going to push people away and get them rejected or whatever. But I often find the more that rescuing types will be for them direct and honest about the behavior of what's going on, not making any judgments, just like, hey, when you said this, it felt really harsh to me or uh, when you did this, it seemed like you only care about yourself or whatever. Um, those kind of just direct statements is like new information for the other person. And the other person actually begins to respect you for saying that, like, what, no, I'm not. And then if you hold your ground, well, yeah, you did this and you've done this before. And they're like, wait, I did? Because remember, from the persecutor standpoint, they're thinking, I just was trying to protect myself. Like, I wasn't trying to hurt you. But when you as a rescuer like, no, you actually were hurting me. And that's not okay. I don't like that. I don't want you to do that anymore. It gives information to the other person to stop doing that. It tells them, hey, I need you to respect me. I want to have this relationship, but I need some boundaries around it so that it can be safe for both of us. Not just safe for you, but also safe for me.
1: And um, for, the, for those of you rescuers out there that were hearing that and thinking to yourself, that's cool, but they're not going to respond that way. I mean, that's too nice. You know,
0: <laughs> that's too self-aware, Aaron. Well, it's true. I mean, it, like this is, I'm, I'm condensing the process of, you know, couples therapy, for example, over uh, several months into like, what was that, 30 seconds or so? <laughs> yeah. So it's a process, you know, I, I feel like I have to say, like nudge people over and over and over and over, you know, over the course of many weeks and months in order to, to do this. So keep in mind that it's going to be a process. It's going to take time. The other thing I like to tell people is that there's like this, uh, there's this spectrum. You know, when you said that a rescuer is afraid of being mean and being rejected, I always tell people that's completely impossible. Do you know who you are? If you're a rescuer, I'm going to, I'm saying to you right now, do you know who you are? You are like in the group of the nicest people on the planet. There's no bone in your body that wants to hurt anybody else. And people know that about you. You're tender, you're compassionate, you're sensitive, you're forgiving, you're flexible, you're all kinds of wonderful qualities. So if that's one end of the spectrum, and on the way other side of the end of the spectrum is this harsh, self-centered uh, jerk who just tells people as like it is and they don't care about anything, you have absolutely no desire to be on that end of the spectrum, And you're not going to do anything close to that. So if I'm telling you to be direct and honest, oftentimes it's going to feel to you like I'm asking you to be that jerk on the other side. And the reality is there's nothing like you're magnetized to your end of the spectrum. It's not possible for you to be a jerk. It's not possible for you to set a boundary or to be direct and honest in a mean way. You're going to do it in the nicest way possible. And people are going to know that.
1: Right. That's, and that's totally true. Um, it's funny to hear you say that. You're such a compassionate, empathic person. It's insane. Um, but for just as Aaron was doing a solid for the persecutors earlier to, toward the rescuers in a way by saying, like, we need you to be direct. I'm going to do a solid on the other side for the rescuers and say, okay, but there's something that we are right about intuitively on your first response that scares the crap out of us that makes us avoid everything. But I'll tell you, rescuers, do it anyway, because you're going to be wrong is what's going to happen. You're partially right, but that actually ends up being enough wrong that it's keeping you stuck.
0: Yeah, and we'll get into a little bit more this whole uh, changing of relationship with vulnerability and responsibility um, in a little bit. We're almost there, but we've got one more here that we need to touch on. And that's the victim uh, piece. So just to tie out this middle point here of sacrificing something what is the victim sacrificing and what do they need to do in order to get off the fear triangle?
1: Yeah, so the the victim is an interesting space to be as far as the role on the, on the triangle. So remember the formula, boundaries plus compassion, equal vulnerability. That equaling vulnerability part is where the victim place sits. So what a victim needs to realize is that it's like we had kind of mentioned earlier, it's not all about them, which to be honest, even saying that, a victim's going to be like, I disagree. I'm saying that nobody makes it about me. Well, okay, that's paradoxical because, you know, nobody's making it about you and you're constantly saying the same thing, which means you're not going to hear anything until somebody listens to you. So part of the the overall error, and this is a little abstract and hard to explain. I'm literally explaining it with my hands right now, is that when compassion and boundaries are coexisting, there is an agreement of responsibility, that you are literally taking responsibility by putting that formula together and saying, I'm going to be no longer only and totally compassionate. I'm going to be no longer only and totally having boundaries. I'm going to sacrifice something. I'm going to take this responsibility. And then that ends up rendering you vulnerable. You're going to know you're doing it because your stomach is going to flutter. You're going to be nervous. So, I want to give you an example of that, but I want to want to kick it over to Aaron first to see if he wants to add anything.
0: Yeah, I do. As you were saying that, I think it's important to note if you're listening and you don't necessarily identify with the victim side of things, maybe you're one, the rescuer or the persecutor. As Nathan was saying that, I wonder if there was like a little flutter inside of you that's like, wait a minute, I kind of resonate with that a little bit, like a, a little moment here, or a little moment there. Because ultimately a persecutor is a victim kind of a persecutor, right? They're still a victim and a rescuer is still a victim as well. They just do it in a rescuing kind of way. So at any point around the triangle, you find yourself in that victim role and then trying to get yourself out of it. And maybe you move to one of those other ends. So this still relates to the other points on the triangle as well. It just is more, most salient, I guess you could say, maybe for the victim where it's the most powerful one.
1: Yeah. This is the space where you actually um kind of experience that vulnerability, essentially. In the same way that on the on the triangle from a victim standpoint, it's where you experience and agree with you're being victimized. You know, when you decide like, oh, I'm a pile of crap. So hearkening back to saying it a little bit differently, hopefully not belaboring it, Rescuers, they're fighting that sense of vulnerability and victimization in their part and from their perspective by rescuing. And persecutors are doing the same thing by persecuting. Victims just accept it. This totally sucks. So in the same way with that formula, the experience of the formula of compassion plus boundaries is vulnerability. So again, as unpacking that a little bit, as an example... So, um, and I may have given this example before because it's a common one for me. I was like, where do you start with this? Well, start really simple. You want to go out to eat. The common thing is, hey, where do you want to go out to eat? And then the statement back typically from a rescuer is, I don't know, where do you want to go? Now that rescuer is going to tell me, but I really don't care. Like, well, yeah, you really don't. But your work to get off this triangle is you need to start caring because you need to start finding yourself. You need to start realizing like, actually you might. It's okay that you want a hamburger type of thing, right? So so then here becomes the application of this statement of of the math that I've already mentioned, right? There's two sides to that. There's a boundary side. There's a compassion side in your statement, in the air of what you're saying. That compassion is both toward the other and also towards you. And the boundaries is another way to conceptualize boundaries is telling the truth. But the truth is about who you are and what you actually think. And it's also the reality that of what you know of what your partner thinks.
0: Okay, so take all that. That's a lot of information just in a short period of time, which is really good. But put it back into that scenario about where to go to eat. What does the victim need to be thinking about?
1: Right, so yeah, that is a lot of information. So just click back, rewind, and listen to it again. <laughs> just kidding. <No>. So <laughs>
0: rewind 30 seconds. play, rewind 30 seconds. Okay, got it.
1: <laughs> so so getting back to that, my point of bringing that up is because I want you to be formulating your response in that math form of compassion plus boundaries or boundaries plus compassion. So you're gonna tell the truth about what you actually believe and want. And then you're also going to try to tell the truth from a compassionate side of what you anticipate that your partner would, would would want based on what they know, just honoring that fact. So you might say to them, well, I would really like to have a hamburger. Uh, but the truth is, I also know that you hate hamburgers. And so I'm not sure what to, go, what to do from here. right? And, and I guarantee you, I mentioned that flutter earlier. You'll know you're doing this right because as soon as you start to make the statement for you rescuers out there about truth, the truth side of that of that formula, you're going to feel nervous. It's going to feel like, oh, crap, this is not worth it. I really don't care. All these things are going to come to you. Um, and people always laugh about this dinner thing because it's like, yep, we do that all the time. And so on the other side, from the persecutor side, it's the same exact thing. Actually, the formula doesn't change, right? The difference is the persecutor is going to feel that weird flutter when they're when they're being more compassionate on that side of like, being openly caring. And they're gonna be like, Oh, man, I'm gonna be a doormat. And they're gonna expect this crap for me all the time. Or, or
0: yeah, yeah. As you're saying that I was thinking, like, okay, so I probably need to not put forward as much what I want. Or maybe I say, Okay, well, I'd like to do this. But what do you want to do? And maybe you have a good idea. And maybe I can actually like that idea. Because the fear would be, Oh, no, you're gonna choose something I don't want, or I don't like, and it's gonna be terrible and awful. And it's just food it's just going like maybe it maybe the meal isn't the greatest but maybe actually i can be surprised and you can have an idea and you can be like i know you really like this and i think we should go there and i'm like wow i hadn't even thought about that it just gives that opportunity you know in terms of compassion for so much more to happen than what your fear is pigeonholing you into doing
1: right and so I hope the dinner analogy is helpful because it really is that simple and and circling back to the beginning when I said look it's 90% if you can stay 90% off of it the dinner thing is also pretty helpful i would i would honestly challenge you and to exercise that because it gets you into that formula mindset of like okay i just need like i'll tell people look you can literally form this in your mind you can have what am i going to say what am i going to say next is it going is it going to be compassionate okay then I have to balance that with the truth. I can't just say that. Okay, what am I gonna? Say? I'm gonna be. Um, there's a boundary. I need them to know this. Okay, but you're also gonna have to consider compassionately where your partner's coming from. You can't just say one half. It's gonna feel on the one side. Um, I think probably cumbersome. On both, you know, and it'll be it'll be clunky. Give yourself some grace to be clunky. Give yourself some grace anyway because life is freaking hard,
0: man. Yeah, this is a process. I mean, change just takes a long time. And it's interesting, this is a little bit of a rabbit trail. But I always like to remind people that as we're working on stuff on the inside, it's, it's a lot of work. And it feels like we can run miles and miles and miles and miles. But on the outside, it looks like we've only moved an inch because that's just how much has to shift around inside in order to make some actual progress. It's not really as dramatic as that, but just understand that it's a process, it takes time, and that's okay. It's the same for the other person as it is for you. So we're all in this together in the same, the same way. So with that, um, let's head for home here. We've just got a few minutes left. Let's talk about changing the relationship with vulnerability and responsibility. We've been talking about that quite a bit. What is the relationship Uh, In terms of being on the fear triangle, when you're in the midst of fear, what's your relationship with vulnerability and responsibility? And then as you're getting off of the triangle, how is it different? What's your new relationship with vulnerability and responsibility? As you're on the triangle, um,
1: you are outright avoiding vulnerability at all costs. And in order to do that, you'll sacrifice all kinds of responsibility and shift it over to your partner as much as possible because it's all their fault. That's why you feel like this they just need to change. So your responsibility becomes, um, how can I control them so that they will feel differently and then act differently?
0: And that's true for for all points on the triangle, just in lots of different mm-hmm. ways. For the persecutor in their own persecutor way, the rescuer in their own rescuing way, and the victim in their own victim-y way.
1: That way it's global. And what we've been sharing with you is how it looks, like the actual tangibles of how it looks. So how that shifts uh, is that You end up taking responsibility for your own actions rather than the actions of others and have to actually look at those like, wow, I don't, you know, if you're a persecutor, like, that was not caring. I want them to care about me. I didn't realize that that wasn't. For a rescuer, it's like, wow, I need to put myself out there. I actually have to say something. I do have something there to be said, and apparently I'm not doing it. And honestly, rescuers, sometimes you don't realize you're not doing it. You think you've been doing it this whole time. And so – that's kind of, I guess, the overall piece.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think that's it. I, It's interesting, whenever I talk about changing your relationship with these feelings or these concepts, I don't, if that's the right word, you know, vulnerability and responsibility, whenever I talk about changing your relationship with this thing, people are always like, oh, that's interesting. I never really thought that I had a relationship with vulnerability or that I had a certain kind of a relationship with responsibility. Just like I didn't realize I had a certain relationship with food, but when I think about what is my relationship with food, I can see, oh, I tend to do this with it or I need to do more of that with it. So that's kind of what I I want you to think about with this is what is your relationship with these things and how can it improve? How can it get healthier so that you're respecting these things and you're doing, I guess, the things that we've been talking about in this this episode uh, a lot more and more specifically a lot more intentionally.
1: The reality is, is that this stuff is, um, I think we could probably talk a lot more because there's different situations out there to be explored. Fear statements take a while to develop. And honestly, we're doing a podcast explaining an actually overall kind of a 35,000 foot view of this, even though it seems like we've gotten into some specifics. When I go to teach this thing in its entirety, It took almost two hours and some big details in a group therapy situation that I was in. And and when I did that, I was like, wow, this is bigger than I thought. I want you to keep in mind that also I'm saying that also because um, you can make some you can start to make some changes and you can be you can be great about it. But give yourself some grace because it's not all about you learn five tips on a podcast and then everything's great, right?
0: But if that does happen, please leave us a comment somewhere on our social media to let everyone know how amazing it was. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, no, but honestly, I, I will say just as we're as we're closing up here, we would love to hear from you. Um, you know, we talk with people all the time about this and we get some individual feedback and now we're putting this on our podcast. We would love to hear how you're interacting with it, what you think about all these concepts. And I'm sure there are elements of this that we haven't touched on, maybe that we do usually talk about. That we didn't go into here, or maybe uh, you could give us some ideas of things that you might be thinking about or wrestling with that we didn't have even thought of before. We would love to get your feedback. So head over to our website, which is shrinkthinkpodcast.com forward slash contact. Send us a message on our contact page there and give us your feedback. You know, we'd love to hear how this impacted you, both positive and negatively. And also, if there's any element of this that you would like us to speak into, we I'm sure we'll circle back around to this at some point on our podcast again. So thanks for taking the time to follow us through this whole fear triangle journey and going through some difficult things. But hopefully it wasn't too hard and you have some more awareness about it. And ultimately, you know, we want this to be beneficial for you. And if you're not on the triangle and you just found this, uh, just listening because you were curious, I hope it was interesting. So thanks for taking the time.
1: All right. Thank you very much, everyone. I hope you have a great day.
0: We're going to be shifting gears on our next upcoming episodes to some interviews with some folks that we know. So uh, stay tuned for the next several episodes where we will be interviewing some, they actually happen to be therapists. One of them is a mediator and interviewing them about some of the successes they've had, the fear, imposter syndrome, insecurity, self-doubt that they've gone through and how they've dealt with it. It's definitely a shift from this fear triangle series, but it's really interesting and uh, people share some really incredible things about themselves that we hope you will find really valuable. So stay tuned for those upcoming episodes. Thanks for listening to our show. Don't forget to head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts to leave us a review and subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also visit our website at www.shrinkthinkpodcast.com forward slash course and sign up for our free email course nine ways to overcome fear and self-doubt and you'll get nine weeks worth of customized practical strategies you can use to get past the fear that's holding you back in your life thanks again for listening